I think during COVID season, I oh, couldn't really travel, couldn't do things. And it really feels like uh, things are picking up even more than before. So this evening, I'm, I'm flying to Ivory Coast with the pastor friend Niels from Wellington. And we're going to go minister at a church of 2,000 people, uh, Assemblies of God Church in uh, Abidjan. And uh, they're hosting a conference there now this past week. So about 2,000 pastors. So they, I think it's, they leading this, these groups of, of churches. And so we're going to do minister there for five, six days and, uh, minister on live TV. And, uh, I'm like, Jesus. <sighs> the one friend of mine, pastor friend of mine said, Andre, go for it. I'm like, I'm praying, Jesus, please go for it. <sighs> I need you to go for it. And so I've been, um, it's like uh, you, you, when these things happen, you go into a zone. Like uh, I go, I get into a zone. Um, so I've been this last two weeks. It's always difficult. No, I'm not saying this to 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 brag. I'm trying to, to explain sort of my context. But I, I, before ministry, I go into the zone of fasting and praying. It's like the grace of God that comes upon me, and then I just it's like I can't help myself. You know, so I've been fasting five days on, on water, previous week, two days on water. I'm probably praying five, six hours a day. I'm just really pushing in. I'm up this morning at four. I was up late last night. Um, it's just like, and I, and it's just continuously praying, 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 pursuing the Lord for what he wants to do. Cause I know there's a, what God has called me to do is to impact the wider body of Christ for, to, to build out the full fivefold ministry. And so in this case, we have an opportunity to impact the French-speaking Africa and Europe on, on, on TV um, and this church that influences thousands of other churches. So please pray. <laughs> pray for us. Really need the Lord um, to show up. But I, I can feel there's something incredible, mind-boggling that's going to happen this week. It's like I'm stepping into my destiny of impacting the, the body of Christ and I say, yes, Lord, be glorified. It's all about you. I'm nothing. It's all about him. But I'm going to follow him and I'm going to obey him. So I am in this moment in Ivory Coast mode. So I want to warn you. You need to put on your seatbelt. Put your seatbelt on. If you are new to us, you really need to turn your seatbelt on. Okay. I'm going to share a few stories today. That's going to maybe shake you a little bit. But I'm really doing this because I'm feeling I need to obey the Lord and I'm warming up. I'm warming up for some fun in the Ivory Coast. Praise God. Five-hour services daily. Praise Jesus. <laughs> so um, two months ago, beginning of May, uh, we were at Chauffeur Wellington. And uh, on the Saturday, we launched Destiny Encounter to the wider body uh, chauffeur church group. So there were a lot of pastors and leaders and people at this. And everything was focused on the Saturday, Friday, Saturday to launch this thing. Been praying and fasting and trusting God. And man, and it launched. Praise God. So Sunday morning, I'm like, I'm chilled. It's going to be just fun. Rustig, you know. It's done. So uh, that morning, that Sunday morning in the chauffeur Wellington's church service, a lady walked in at the start of the service. I heard this later, but she walked into the church and she said to the Lord, God, how long, how long will I still struggle like this? How long? 
And uh, so we had amazing worship, amazing service. At the end of the message, I really felt the Lord say to me, there's a, a bunch of people struggling with shame. So about 20 to 25 people came forward on the altar call. And I do what I normally do. I'm relaxed. I'm in the presence of God. This is fun. Beautiful. I see this lady. I'm going to I put my hand on her head. The next moment, her head goes back and she screams like a scream from the pit of hell. She manifests a demon. She's completely possessed. She attacks me. Fists flying. I am like, the guy said, looked like the Matrix. Whoa, whoa. I was like ducking. No, no punches landed. I'm like, where's the angels protecting me? What the heck is going on here? And it's a raw hatred, evil over the face. She spits at me, but a big spit all over my face. I'm like, Whoa, what is going on? And so at some point, I'm like, I was like relaxed mode. Next mode, this is like a bar fight in church. I'm like, what is going on? And at some point, I come back and I push her back and I sort of take authority over the arms. I bind that in Jesus' name and the arms go down. I praise God. (laughs) And then pray for her. She falls to the floor and then she's delivered from these these demons. And man, and then I was like, okay, everybody else who struggles, come forward. (laughs) And so it uh, lasted another two hours of praying for people and God was healing and setting free. God encounters. It was incredible. Heaven came down. Heaven came down. And I was, I was also thinking about it. You know, what was that? You know, I was, I think it was like in the spirit realm. I think, you know, one of the angels or the Lord was telling one of the angels, just, just step back a little bit. We need a bit of a show here. We need a bit of action here. And so there was. And so, um, we actually know this lady from the 90s. She went on a missions trip with Sonic and my wife in the 90s, and she manifested a demon there. So since the 90s until now, a believer in Christ, tormented by the demonic for 20-plus years, and saying, God, how long? How long? And so I spoke to her husband afterwards, and he said to me, I knew she had anger issues, but I didn't think it's a demon. <laughs> I spoke to the worship team, and then one of the guys in the worship team, they were like, they couldn't play for like five minutes. They were just like, huh? <laughs> What's going on? Like a bar fight in church. And then afterwards, you know, she was set free, radically set free. Her life has been transformed. And then she... And it's raining, praise God. (laughs) Heavy rains, heavy rains, come on. And so she spoke to me afterwards and she said to me, this thing in her, she said, hates you. I'm like, thank you very much. That's just wonderful. You know, if you are known in heaven, you will be hated in hell. And it so encouraged me. I get encouragement from everywhere, even from the devil himself. But there was such a moment. There was like a a wake-up call, a reminder. You know, when you look into the face of evil, you're like, okay, 
Devil is real. Evil is real. You know, you might have a theology that there is no such thing as, as, as evil or no such thing as a demon until you look into its face. Then you change your theology. So there's three things that stands out for me about this that you can put on the screen. Number one, the demonic is real. It's real. If you don't even believe that your enemy is real, how on earth can you win? How can you fight an enemy that you don't even believe in? You'll be a sitting duck and the enemy will take you out. Number two is the demonic amplifies the flesh. In other words, if you struggle with anger, it will amplify it to become hatred. If you struggle with lust, it will move into perversion, addiction, and you can't break out. If, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, it will become bitterness to the core of your being, which I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive what happened. So the demonic amplifies our flesh, our negatives, our sinful nature. And then thirdly, it puts a spiritual lid on you. So this next picture speaks of like a, a pot and it puts like a lid, a limitation on your life that, so that you cannot ascend. Okay, we're doing a series now on the ascended life of moving into the presence of God. But if there's a demonic influence, you might walk into this room and we are in the presence of God and enjoying the amazing worship and you're like, meh, whatever, you know. It could be a block. It could even be a demonic block that keeps you from connecting to the, with the Lord. So the, the enemy blocks the move of the Holy Spirit, limits the power of God in our lives, and, and, and keeps us from ascending. If we want to ascend into the presence of God, we need to remove the lid. We need to take off the lid. And when you're in that thing and that lid is on your head, you're going to squirm in there. It's going to get hot and terrible. It's tormenting, and you're struggling with your thoughts. This is real. This is so, so real. And it keeps us, the enemy keeps us out of the presence of God. And so in this week, I felt the Lord ask me this question. Andre, he asked me this question. Who will set my children free? Who will set my children free? Who will partner with me to set my people free? And the Lord is looking for people that will say yes. Who will say yes to me no matter how unpopular or uncomfortable it might be? You know, let love move you. And then I was in this week, I'm like, Lord, I'm in. I say yes. I say yes to bring freedom to others, even if it's unpopular and it doesn't matter the consequences. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow Jesus. And then the Lord responded and said, in that case, come higher. Come higher. There's something in the heavenlies that we need to receive if we are to bring freedom to others. Come higher. And so I saw a vision in this week, a spiritual picture by the Holy Spirit of two tables in a heavenly place. On the one table, I saw weapons. Weapons of warfare, a whole lot of weapons. On the other table, I saw food, like a feast, a feast. And I felt the Lord say, come and eat and be filled, be nourished. Then take your weapons and fight. And that's what I believe God is inviting us into. And so in this series, we're going to look at 
this from different angles, this term of how we can ascend into these heavenly places, a place of authority, a place of being nourished, a place of intimacy with God, but also a place where we, we receive the weapons of our warfare so that we can partner with God. We're going to look at it from, we're going to look at prophetic worship. We're going to look at the Old Testament prophets. We're going to look at how prophecy equips us and empower us to move into the, this higher space. We are raised up to bring his presence down. We are raised up to bring his presence down. In other words, when we move into this heavenly space, then we can bring his presence down. And it's his presence that changes lives. It is his presence that sets people free. It's not, uh, uh, human ways cannot do it. You see, if you have the presence of God in your life, you have everything. And if you have everything this world offers you, but you don't have the presence of God, you have nothing. You are dirt poor. You could have billions. I tell you, you're dirt poor. And you can have a little bit in the natural, but you have the presence of God. You are more, you're wealthier than the kings of this world. It is about his presence, that place of intimacy in the throne room of God. And so the Lord calls us into that place to go up into that space. I want to just unpack this quickly for us in Ephesians 2 verse 4 to explain to you how the ascended life works and, and also why many in the body of Christ don't take up that place. It says there, but God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of his great love, he loves people on a level that we cannot fathom. He loves them passionately. I mean, go look at the life of Jesus. He would, he would stop for the one. He would travel far for the one to go and set them free or to heal them. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were dead, even when we were in the gutter, even though we might have been the worst of the worst sinner on the planet, he loves us. He loves you. Even if you might be in a bad space right now, I tell you, there's nothing that you can do that will cause God to turn away from you. Nothing. His arms are wide open. He's saying, come, my mercy is great. My love is beyond anything you can imagine, but come. He's a loving dad. He's not going to leave you as you are. He wants to clean you up and set you free and, and move you into, into in a place of freedom. But even though when we were dead in trespasses, it says he made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive. Praise God. By grace, you've been saved. He made us alive. Come on, say this with me. He made me alive. Amen. Though you were dead, when you surrender your life to Christ, you turn from your old ways, you turn to Jesus, then he makes you alive. It is the gift of salvation. You can't work for it, but you can humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you. And that's called salvation, and it's amazing. It's beautiful. It is wonderful. But that's not all there is. Then in the next verse, it says, and, come on, say and, 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 so beautiful salvation saved by grace. And then it says, and raised us up. 
and raised us up. Many people think it's the, it happens the same time. Get born again and immediately you raised up. That's not how it works. Surely there must be some tangible manifestation of me, what it means to be raised up. So look at that. It says there, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Raised up with Jesus, seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's the invitation for all of us to rise up, to take up that place, a place of authority. It's a place from which we are to release the ministry of Christ into the earth. Then he says that in the ages to come, he might show exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. So he has saved you. So it's being saved and seated in heavenly places. Saved and seated. Saved and seated. Why? That we might show. What, 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 what are we to show? We are to show the visible Christ. The tangible, almost touchable Jesus. We are his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. We are supposed to reign from that heavenly place in Jesus and then release his life into this world. Jesus is wanting to continue his ministry through us. But what's happened in in, in most of the body of Christ, in large parts of the body of Christ, is like salvation. And we leave the end. We're saved, praise God, but no end, no end. That means no power, no tangible manifestation of the power of God, no miracles, no signs and wonders. Jesus not continuing his ministry as he wants to. Salvation is amazing. It's wonderful, but there's an end. And so practically how this is played out, I'm not going to unpack this now, but just as a reminder, we often speak about the fivefold. It's basically most of the church world has embraced pastors and teachers and a bit of the evangelists. But what we've, we've neglected, prophets and apostles. We've neglected the prophetic and the apostolic. And the result is the church is not connected to the throne room. Because they bring, that's the gift on the apostles and prophets. They release this gift upon the church so that we can move into heavenly places. Authority and uh, and a tangible manifestation of the power of God. Okay, but I'm not going to go into that now. I I don't have the time. But God is wanting to show his grace tangibly. Tangibly, tangibly. And so we're going to speak about prophets in the series, especially the Old Testament prophets, and bring it through to the New Testament. Um, but to start us off with, we need to talk about the ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ, more than a prophet, son of God. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. He spoke, but, I said, but and now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. He has spoken. So Jesus came. He is the final authority. He came to give context and clarity on the whole Old Testament. He came to, 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 to reveal who God really is. Because Jesus, when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. Whenever you get confused about who the Father God is, just look at Jesus again. Gracious and loving and kind and, 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 and bringing freedom to, to everyone. And so the Son has spoken in the way that he brought this message of salvation, of being born again, but also he came to reveal the ministry of heaven. 
What does it look like? Well, when Jesus preached, he spoke about the kingdom of God. And then what did he do? He delivered people from demonic influences and he healed them. That's what he did. That was his main thing. He did other miracles and things like that as well. And he wants to continue that ministry in this season. So look at this, Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Some backstory here. Peter, the, the apostle, um, he had an open vision of God speaking to him and saying, I want you to go with these guys that's going to be at the door. Don't call, um, you know, what you call, they, they clean. <laughs> yeah. And then these angels appeared to Cornelius, the centurion, this Roman guy, the Gentile. And for the first time in history, it was God's good news being brought to non-Jews. It was an amazing moment. And then Peter preaches this message. He says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. Preaching peace. Peace with God and peace within. You see, when you encounter God, he brings peace upon your soul. He sets you free from torment and he brings peace. This message that brought peace, this message of Christ. And he says, he is Lord of all. I love that. He's Lord of all. He's king over all. He's the king of kings above every prime minister or king or general. There's Jesus. And also over every demonic thing, Jesus reigns over them all. He is king. And it is that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So he's saying, guys, you know about this. You've heard of Jesus, the prophet, the miracle worker. You've heard, everybody knows about Jesus in that, in that region. And then this, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. There's so much in that. But the one aspect is God anointed Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus to do ministry. Jesus didn't do his ministry as God, but as a perfect man surrendered to the Father. So he did it by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's available to us. When we are washed by the blood of Jesus, we become perfect. And then the Holy Spirit can come upon us and we can do the same ministry, which I'll unpack in a moment. But then it says healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, what is that saying? Because it speaks about healing and setting people free from the devil. Well, I think it can mean a few things. On the one hand, it says, um, it could mean that some sicknesses have demonic roots. That's the one aspect. The other aspect is that the demonic opposed the work of the Holy Spirit. So also Jesus first set them free from the demonic, and then he healed them. Okay, so those two components, um, uh, you can see it in there. But this is what Jesus did. He said, in other words, Jesus came to set the whole man free. Not just salvation, it's and the soul and the spirit and the body. Why? I see this so many times. Somebody gives their life to Jesus, but they have so much demonic things within them that they cannot follow Jesus. They can't. They abound by addictions. They are bound by negatives and things and, and, and compulsive things in their heart and mind. So they cannot follow Christ and they fall back to their old ways. And so Jesus wants 
them to be set free. So a, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I thought the thing in Wellington was the worst I've seen in 20 years. Until a month ago. And uh, a 13-year-old girl came to oh, one of our youth meetings. At the end of the youth meeting, she had a panic attack. Um, backstory of the girl, she's been suicidal. She's cutting herself. She's been trying to kill herself. She's in bad space, anxiety, self-hatred. It's, it's a mess. Leaving school, it's, it's disastrous. Mom asked us to pray for her in any case. We prayed a little bit with her. I said, at the end of this training, she has a panic attack. And she goes to some of the leaders to pray for her. So they're in one of the rooms here at church. And then the leaders call me with big eyes. So I go, I go in, I go sit down. And when I look at this girl, I realize this is not her anymore. Completely possessed. As in completely. Cussing us out. Accusing us. Saying stuff that's just wild. One of the things that was the, 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 is just so the voice of the enemy. is like, you know, we are saying God loves her. And then it would say, this piece of trash. No one can love this piece of trash. And accusing us, like, you're nothing. You're, you're nothing, you know. And I'm saying, no, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of the king. I am loved. You know, so there's this arguing of, of, of truth. And the voice of the enemy will always break down. You're nothing. Always accuse you. I tell you, when you look into the face of evil and you see and hear, then you know when it's the enemy's voice. And many of us are hearing the enemy's voice. And we're not discerning it. So anyway, at some point, this girl, the demon is, we can't even speak to the girl. It's just, it's just this demon is a very irritating demon and a very mocking demon. It's like, I'm like, you are so irritating me. Anyway, at some point, this, this girl, the girl jumps up and wants to run out. The demon wants to like run out. And so we close the door or something. And then it just goes wild. It starts chucking things across the door, over the room. Uh, Rips the cross off the wall, breaks it over her knee. I'm like, God, I've never seen this before. This is wild. At some point, I just go lay, lie down, <laughs> put her down on the floor. And now we're praying and we're trying to, and at some point, I don't know what to do. I'm like, what do we do? So I'm like, okay, God, we need reinforcement. So I pray, God, send us angels, many, because it's not just one, this is multiple demons. Send us angels. And so this, so at some point, just after we prayed that, it's like this demon goes like, like this, like scared, like seeing angels walk into the room. I mean, this girl told us later, I mean, she was in between the natural realm and the spirit realm and she could see all the demons and she could see the angels. And then at some point, the demon looks to the front and it's like, what are you doing here? Jesus walks into the room. I'm like, yes, because <laughs> we need some help here. <laughs> so Jesus walks into the room. This girl saw Jesus walking in. And at some point, um, we got her back and uh, renounced a few things. My son saw, and, and, uh, and so this demon was like screaming like crazy. I was like, I'm going deaf. And again, the alarm system was on. I, I realized that when they scream like that, this is the alarm system, like, help, help. It's like an um, alarm system going off. 
<laughs> and so, so he's screaming and whatever else. And anyway, so the girl comes back and we pray with her, we renounce with her. And then when she takes authority, when she breaks her agreement with the enemy, she took authority and she said, get out of my life in Jesus name. And when there were angels there. Jesus was there. Come on. It had to listen. So it left. Praise God. But now, She's in between two realms, the natural realm, the spirit realm. She hears what the angels are saying. She tells us incredible prophetic words that the angels spoke. And then she says to us what Jesus says. And Jesus said, thank you for setting my daughter free. And then Jesus said, tell the world. Tell the world what the enemy is doing to young people. Tell them, expose the enemy. So that is why you are hearing about this today. I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to expose. The enemy hates it to be exposed. It wants to be hidden. I'm going to expose it. And so the short story of the, of the rest is that the demons came back the next day. So on Sunday, multiple hours of praying through things, going to go in details. Monday again, mom phones us like help, doesn't know what to do. So I picked this girl up with some leaders, 11.30, Monday morning. She, in the worldly sense, she's schizo. She's suicidal. She's depressed. She's anxious. She looks terrible. It will, 10 years of counseling might, might help. So we have another session, wild, manifestation. This demon speaks. It says, Lucifer sent me to take this girl to hell. Long story short, she's set free, completely, completely set free. Three hours after 1130, 2.30, we drop her off at home with her mom. She is joyful. Peaceful in her right mind and completely set free. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. The mom, the mom sends me a message and says, I have my girl back. Isn't that amazing? In three hours, schizo, suicidal, lock her away for the rest of her life if she does not commit suicide to she's a 13 year old again and she's free. Man, blows my mind. That is the power of God. What if many of our mental issues and problems actually have demonic roots? And we need the power of God to set them free. So I really feel the Lord is saying, who will set my people free? Who will be bold enough to talk about this in our culture? It's going to say, you're nuts. Well, whatever, I'm going to follow Jesus. But that change from that to that within three hours, unbelievable. That's how I'm like, I'm, I'm in Jesus. I am in. I am in. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I want to see lives transformed. And so I want to announce today, I feel, a bunch of us feel like the Lord is saying, this is a new era, a new season we're stepping into as a church. Ten years ago, 2012, the Lord said to me, at the end of 2012, he said to me, Andre, there's an outpouring of physical healing coming. Trust me for this. Over the next three years, we saw over a thousand people physically healed. 
Deaf ears opening, blind eyes opening at times, cancers disappearing, bodies healed. I, I, I wrote things down. I followed up medical checks. We want to make sure it's real. And I'm feeling God is saying the same thing, but trust me for deliverance. Because on the other side of deliverance, there's massive healing. Massive healing coming. The enemy is assaulting our world, especially our youth. Spoke to a mom at the end of the first service. She told me, this is what's happening in my house. This is what the enemy is doing. My, the, my girl, this, she's the same. It's a disaster. She needs Jesus. That girl was on fire for Jesus when she was 13. And she lost her way. And which we need to trust God to set them free. Amen. There's a spirit war. The question is, will the army of the Lord arise? Or will we be stay dormant? And like, oh, East London, such a nice place. Holiday, like a... It's a war zone. It's a war zone. The enemy's taking out our youth and a lot of other people as well. It is time for the church of Jesus to arise. So let's quickly look at Christ as our example. Mark chapter 1, because we need to anchor everything in the word of God. It says, then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath... He entered the synagogue, this is Mark 1, 21, and taught. This is Jesus. He went in to, to, to preach, to teach in the synagogue. Verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching. I'm not seeing it. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. Why did Jesus have authority? Because he was, ascend- he was ascended. He was raised up. He was ministering from the right hand of the Father. Although he's physically here, he was in the throne room. Then verse 23, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. So there's different names for, for demonic things, but in this case, it was an unclean spirit. And he says, and he cried out saying, let us alone. So the demon cries out and says, let us alone, meaning there's more than one, us. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, did you come to destroy us? And the answer is yes, he did. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, it says, For this purpose, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's one of the purposes that Jesus came. And he wants to continue this ministry. So, Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 1 says, But Jesus rebuked him. He took authority. And he said, be quiet and come out of him. And when, and, and when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, you know, there was some form of a manifestation and cried out with a loud voice. You see the alarm going off again. Help, help, I'm in trouble. I've been exposed. Okay, not afraid. And he came out of him and was set free. You see, the word of God says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. What does it mean? It means if there's a demonic influence upon our lives, it means you will probably not know the power of God because it blocks the power of God. You will probably not have love in your life because of the fear, the torment of the enemy. It removes the love that we have for others. And then thirdly, you will probably not have a sound mind. You will struggle in your thoughts because there's a demonic influence amplifying the negatives in your life. 
And so in verse 27, it says, then they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine, new teaching is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So when Jesus spoke, the, demo- the demons had to submit. Again, if you live the ascended life, if you are raised up, you can bring his presence down. If you are known in heaven, you'll be hated in hell, but they have to submit in Jesus' name. So I want to, so God has given us authority. This is the one thing I have learned through all the praying for people over the last few weeks and the last month or so is that you have authority. We were rebuking until we blew in the face until the 13 year old says, get out of my life. It's clear. Protect. Then it goes. You have authority because you, your agreement with the enemy allowed the, the enemy in. So you have to uh, fight the enemy with the truth. So I want to quickly ask Cindy. Cindy Schultz to come and share. Let's give her a hand. I want to I show you the reality of these things. So Cindy is a, a gifted uh, athlete. Um, she has many uh, achievements. Uh, in the 2018, she won the gold medal for the South African triathlon champs. She's re- represented South Africa in triathlon, duathlon, biathlon, and every other athlon at something I think she has endurance and she'll run most of us into the grave. But in 2019, she had an encounter with God at our freedom encounter. It was, it was amazing how God touched her. And, and, and a journey started there of, of freedom. But I think in the same way that she's got physical endurance, she has this gift of spiritual endurance. So she went on this journey over the last, what, three years of uh, the Lord speaking to her and she getting into the word of God, uh, contending with the enemy with the truth and, and being set free from a bunch of things. So we want to quickly just unpack just a very short part of the story. Okay, so what have you been set free from? I've been set free from fear, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety and depression. Praise God. Let's give Jesus honor for that. Okay, so would you say that each one of those things were at a demonic root? Yes, definitely. Okay. And so the, the OCD thing, the obsessive compulsive disorder, it actually started when you were young. So unpack that a little bit for us. What happened? Give us a bit of that journey. Um, so obsessive compulsive disorder is an anxiety disorder where you cr- um, try and control the outcome of situations. My mom had almost died when she gave birth to me, and the enemy lied to me that my mom would die when my sister was born. I believed this lie and became fearful and developed obsessive-compulsive disorder when I was in grade two. When my parents realized this, they said it was lies from the devil and told me to sing a song that I had learned in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's a good song to sing. (laughs) Amen. I would sing the song when I had OCD thoughts, and I stopped believing the lies of the enemy and overcame OCD as a young child. But I wasn't totally set free from it. The demonic lay dormant, and years later, when I had my encounter with the Lord and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it highly upset the enemy, and the OCD thoughts came back. When I had my encounter with the Lord, he told me to get into his word and to renew my mind with his truth. It's the truth that sets us free. And praise God, today I'm totally set free from OCD. Amen. 
So, so a few things there. Obviously, the power of declaring the truth, like Jesus loves me, this I know, that 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 was doing warfare. But because no one actually commanded it to leave, it it remained dormant. So anyway, so it's an interesting concept. It's the first time I've heard something like that. It's something we, I'm I'm thinking about, and. Uh, and so obviously when the Holy Spirit came, when she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she came close to the Lord, this, the presence of God exposed this thing uh, within you. And, and I think you also said that doctors say that's not curable. Huh? OCD is not. Yes, the psychologist will tell you that OCD is not um, curable, that you just have to try and manage it. Hmm. So, so that's the best case scenario is try to manage it. But what if there's a demonic root? And if you cast that out... There's true freedom. So I, I, I love this. And I think, so for, you know, sometimes people get set free, but they don't do what she's doing. They're not pursuing the word of God. They're not doing battle in with the truth of God's word. And then it says the, the enemy comes back. The word of God is actually seven times worse comes back if you don't anchor yourself in the right way. And so, um, so it's just amazing what she's been doing and God has been teaching her and, and you're passionate about helping others now as well. Yes, amen. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so from your perspective, do you, do you, how do you see this mental disorders and the demonic? Do you think it's uh, a lot of it rooted in, 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 in the enemy? Yes, it, it definitely is. Um, I think a lot more than we realize. Everything that I've been set free from was demonic. It was not natural. And yeah, psychologists will tell you that OCD, um, there's no cure for it. You just, just have to try and manage it. Um, there is no cure f- for it because it is demonic. And um, the only answer is Jesus, our deliverer. Amen. Thank you. Give her a hand. Awesome. So, so I, I love it when the doctors say there is no cure until the great physician shows up and he brings freedom. So I want to release this hope over all of us that there is freedom for whatever you're struggling with. There is freedom in Christ. So I want to end off with this verse, John 14, 12. Now, some, some context here. This is the verse that freaks out a lot of theologians. They don't like it because it's almost offensive. But these are the words of Jesus. And so whenever, you know, there's, this, there's an argument around the power of God, uh, you know, I would go to this verse and they're like, no, not that verse. When they don't believe that God's power is still for today or for the believers in Christ. And so Jesus starts off by saying, most assuredly. Because he's saying, hey, you're not going to believe this. A lot of you are going to struggle with this. But most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who believes in Christ, the healer, the deliverer, the savior, he who believes the works that I do, he will do as well. He will do also. That's just like, are you nuts? Eh? He will do also. That's the invitation. Doesn't mean everybody's going to walk in that, but that's the invitation that God extends to all of us. Guys, if you're going to contend for faith, if you're going to fill your heart and mind with the word of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit and ascend into that place of authority in Christ, you can do the same works as Christ. Because it's not you, it's Jesus through you. Okay, you need to get that. It's not us. Can't heal a headache. Can't change somebody's life. I am nothing without Jesus and neither are you. But there's an invitation for the sons and daughters of God. He will do also. That's available. And then, this is, sounds blasphemous. And greater works. 
Greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Greater works? How does that work? How can we do greater works than Jesus? I tell you, there's a powerful truth there. Powerful truth there. So we were in Rio de Janeiro in 2015, December 2015. And we were in this one meeting. And man, the translator and me, we were missing one another. So I'm already praying for these French translators in the Ivory Coast. Jesus help them. So we were missing. She's like, I'm saying something. And she was like, what? I'm like, girl, we're trying to preach here. Come on. <laughs> so in the air, it was, it was disastrous. Couldn't, couldn't communicate. So at some point, I, uh, I said, oh, God, what now? I don't know what to do because we can't, I can't preach. And the Lord said to me, take authority over evil. So I turned to the translator and said, you do not need to translate this. It will understand. So in the name of Jesus, I took authority over the venue. And I said, in the name of Jesus, every demonic thing in this place, we cast you out. Now, I have never seen anything like this before or after. And the guys there, the, the apostle and the leadership, they also, they've never seen anything like this. That next moment, the church had two blocks of people. The whole left block. It's like the presence and the power of God came down upon the crowd of people. And like 70 to 80% of everybody started to manifest demons. From five-year-olds up to the elderly, it was chaos. As the power of God came down upon them to flush out the demonic influences upon their life, upon their lives. It blew my mind. And the Lord said to me this week, Andre, that is just a foretaste of what is coming. That was just a taste. I'm saying, bring it. Lord, let's flush out every demonic, tormenting, evil thing that is destroying the lives of your people. Out in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a ministry of love. It's about loving people. That's what it's about. People that are on the verge of uh, destruction. Either of their marriages, committing suicide, young people cutting themselves, uh, self-hatred, addictions. Whatever it is, Jesus wants to set his people free. And he's asking Who will join me? Who will partner with me? And I'm like, Jesus, I am so in. I want to see people set free. So we are called to be raised up to bring his presence down. And then God's going to show up like we have not seen before. Amen.